An improbable and gutsy road win in Toronto against a good team was the Giants' 10th straight on the road. It's the first time they've done that in a single season since 1952. Just an incredible accomplishment, and we'll break it down next. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspic, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thank you for making Locked On Giants your first listen every Every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube. Check us out there. Hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or wherever or wherever you are. Also, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And coming up on today's show, yes, we're going to be discussing the Giants winning their 10th consecutive road game, which is just an incredible accomplishment, and uh, it's something that the Giants have not done in a single season, uh, meaning... Like, you can't count, okay, we won our last five road games of 2014 and then our first five road games of 2015. That doesn't count, right? We're talking about in the same season. They haven't done this since moving to San Francisco, and the last time they did it was in New York in 1952. And so, yeah, it doesn't happen very often, and it's just another accolade for, I mean, we just recently had like the Giants sweeping a road trip and it was the like fifth time in franchise history or since moving to San Francisco maybe even franchise history that it had been done and Gabe Kapler had done it twice and it had only been done five times and so just another you know just to be clear like Kapler's got the the record for the most wins in franchise history most home runs in franchise history the only guy to sweep a road trip of six or more twice in franchise history, or at least in San Francisco history, and now 10 straight road wins for the first time in San Francisco Giants history in the same season. And so their road record improves to 22 and 15. I guess they were 12 and 15 at some point. Uh, I think it started in Minnesota, but man, it's been a long time. I mean, it was it's like three spanning three different road trips here. And and they did it in such impressive fashion because it's not like, okay, yeah, you're facing like the Oakland A's or the Washington Nationals or the Royals or, you know, whoever that's a bad team. You're facing, I mean, their most recent road games were against the Dodgers before this. And so these are not easy teams that they're beating. And yesterday, the Toronto Blue Jays, we'll talk later about Kevin Gosman. And if there's some regret there, I think there is. But Kevin, Kevin Gosman was absolutely at his best in this start. And yet the Giants won anyway. They they were being no hit by Gosman deep into like the fifth or sixth inning. I think it was the fifth. Uh, and Tyro Estrada kind of muscled a single into right field on the ground. 
uh, just got by a couple of diving defenders and then he stole second base which is he's almost got 20 steals on the year now I think it's like number 18 or something 17 or 18 and then he got to third on a balk call and then Patrick Bailey who we're also going to get into in great detail later on in the show came up with just a huge hit against Kevin Gosman which was just something that was not easy to do and you know, he gr- he had a grinding at bat and he worked himself into a full count, but it was a, you know, runner on third one out situation where you just want to kind of put the ball in play, get a sack fly, get a run. It was 0-0 at that point, but he did better than that, just ripping a double down into the right field corner. And so his very extremely impressive rookie season continues there. And then, yeah, I mean, the Giants pitching was a big part of this story i mean it was a huge part of this story and this win in that they essentially uh in a game started by an opener and then followed up by five innings from alex wood and then uh tyler rogers and camilo Duvall doing the rest they outpitched a guy who's like a cy young award uh candidate and perhaps favorite in kevin gosman and so just This team continues to be extremely impressive and just going on the road, beating teams like the Dodgers and the Blue Jays. And even when things aren't going your way, like you're getting shut down by an opposing ace and you yourself, you know, you don't, it wasn't like it was Logan Webb up against Kevin Gosman and uh, two aces just pitched really well. And that was the story of the game. It was more like you've got you know, it's some will call it a bullpen game, but we're going to talk a little bit later about how this isn't what I would call a bullpen game per se, because, you know, I'll, I'll get into it later, but I wouldn't call this a bullpen game, but just the odds were stacked against the Giants. They had to be underdogs in this game and they came out with a win anyway. And with the win, they improved to 45 and 34. They're you know, the D-backs continue to do nothing but win themselves. They beat the Rays. So the Giants are still two and a half games back of Arizona in the West. And in the wildcard race, the Giants are still the second wildcard team. The Marlins also won. The Dodgers won yesterday. The Phillies, who are the team uh, who's the first team on the outside looking in in the wildcard race, the Giants are three and a half games ahead of them. The Brewers lost. So that's one team below the Phillies and the Giants are four games ahead of them. So, Giants are sitting in pretty good playoff position here as we get really close to the halfway mark of the season, just two more games to go before the halfway mark of the season. And Giants have 45 wins. And so even if they lose the next two in Toronto, obviously I hope that doesn't happen, but that would put them quote unquote on pace for 90 wins, given that they've already got 45. So if you can win one more game, that puts you on pace for 92. And if you can win two more games, that puts you on pace for 94 wins if you can sweep this series. And so Giants are, they've done just such a good job recently. And this was just such an impressive win. Tyro Estrada had a big uh, insurance hit in the ninth inning that scored two runs with two outs. But all the credit in the world to Ryan Walker, who worked out of trouble. First and third, nobody out in the first. And then he ended up striking out three in a row against a potent Blue Jays lineup. And then Alex Wood was phenomenal. Tyler Rogers was phenomenal. 
facing he he gave up a hit to Brandon Belt, a double, which was, you know, cool moment for Belt, and then Doval came in and got a four-out save. And so just all around incredibly impressive and Giants are just they keep on keeping on and and twice in a row now, like remember when they got shut out by the uh Padres in the finale going for the four-game sweep, they responded with a win and winning two straight in, against Arizona to win that series. And then they lose the finale against Arizona, and then you go out and you win the first game against Toronto. So the Giants are just doing what good teams do, and they're not like, oh, we lost a game and just kind of falling into the doldrums of that. They're just responding and playing well, kind of win or lose. Like They've had trouble finishing off sweeps, but at the end of the day, after that loss, if they don't finish up the sweep, they've responded well the next day. So just so many things you like to see as we approach the halfway point of the season. But specifically, I want to get into Patrick Bailey and how this guy has just quietly, especially in the national perspective, not getting a lot of attention at all, despite some other rookies who he's been better than getting way more like a hundred times more attention, despite Bailey performing at maybe twice the level of certain players. So we will get into that whole conversation in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't have to be a stressful event. And for me, uh, it often was in the past, especially for me going to a venue I've not been to before. I want to know what does the seat look like? What is the view from the seat? Because sometimes you can't tell like exactly how high up it is. That's a big thing. When you're looking at these seating charts, it, it may be you think it's a certain view, but it's not. And if you don't have images of seat views, then that can be really confusing. And also for me, I, I always want to get the best price. I'm sure that's not I'm not unique in that, but uh, all of all of my stressors are solved with game time because you get images of seat views and perhaps most importantly, the lowest price guarantee, which means if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use code locked on MLB for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on MLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, as promised, Patrick Bailey taking the baseball world by storm, but they don't even know it because nobody in the national media is paying any attention to what Patrick Bailey has done. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Every dayers tomorrow on the show, we're going to be breaking down game two of this series with uh, the Giants. This time, they've got the edge in terms of the starting pitching matchup with their ace, Logan Webb, going. And for the Blue Jays, uh, it says on sfgiants.com, TBD. I guess they haven't announced a starter or it hasn't been updated, but uh We'll be breaking that one down. Hopefully another win, another series win against a good team. The Giants play the Blue Jays tonight again at 4.07 Pacific. And you can catch every pitch of the Giants hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app search Giants. So the Patrick Bailey conversation, I mean, he just not only did he have that huge hit against Kevin Gosman, which was just so impressive because before the Tyro Estrada hit, 
which was kind of a ground ball that had eyes. You know, it just kind of snuck through the infield. Uh, there really wasn't much of any hard contact at all against Gosman. And then Tyro Estrada finds himself on third base. I believe it was with one out. And uh, it's a huge situation there where you've got a guy, Kevin Gosman ended up striking out 12 in six innings. And by the way, part of the formula or the recipe for how the Giants were able to win this game was that they got Gosman's pitch count up, which is you know, against an ace, that makes a big difference because if you're just making easy, quick outs, then he could pitch the whole game and you don't have a shot against some of the relievers. And instead, they got him out of the game after six and they were able to add on in the ninth. But so Patrick Bailey in a two strike count, I think, yeah, I think it was three and oh, maybe initially and then three and one and three and two. And he choked up big time on the bat and just I, I've said this before, but I feel like what I've seen is that the bigger the situation, the bigger the just the better the at bat quality from Patrick Bailey. And he's come through so many times in these situations where, you know, just kind of situational baseball and the fact that he's choking up on the bat and then ended up just ripping a double down the right field line, essentially, uh, is just so impressive because he's done this time and time again. But if, you know, if we look at, you know, the numbers for Patrick Bailey at the plate, there, there's certainly like some unsustainability to what he's doing. Like I would not expect him to continue to hit 320, you know, with a 349 on base, which is, you can see that the on base is not much higher than the batting average, which means he hasn't really walked much. But at the same time, the approach has been good. And so I would expect that that walk rate is actually going to go up. Uh, and he's got a 534 slugging. The difference between the slugging and the average is 214, which is the isolated power, which is really good. But what's unsustainable is the 403 batting average on balls in play. I would expect that to come down as much as 100 points, which could certainly make the offensive line overall look really different. But at the same time, just from like watching the at-bats, it's not like this guy is just getting lucky hits. In fact, the expected numbers are right around the actual numbers, meaning he's just been on a tear. But I guess what the unsustainability part is, is that people don't just stay on a tear forever. And so when he cools off, you're going to see more balls in play that are outs, as opposed to right now, if he puts it in play, he's getting a hit 40% of the time. And you would expect more like 30% of the time. And that makes a big difference in the overall numbers. So we'll wait for that. It's only been 30 games for Bailey, 111 plate appearances. But, oh, I think all of this started with me saying not only did he have that big hit, but he also threw another runner out at second base on a play. Honestly, I didn't think he had much of a shot with the way the pitch was down low and just an unorthodox kind of catch and throw from Bailey, but it's so quick. And that's the thing. Uh, going into yesterday, before yesterday's additional play, and it wasn't that close, but Bailey is second in Major League Baseball in his average pop time to second base. And what the pop time is, is simply the time from the moment the ball touches the catcher's glove to the time the ball arrives it's not actually when it hits the second baseman's glove. It's like when it gets to the like center of the base or something. It's it's a little bit un it's not unclear to me. I'm just forgetting exactly what it is, but it's not 
when it touches the glove. I think they try to make it like uniform because sometimes if it's when it touches the glove, if the second baseman or shortstop catches it out in front of the base, then it's going to skew the numbers. So they try to make it like a uniform distance. And anyway, Bailey is second best behind the Greek god of pop times, JT Real Muto. And he's also been one of the very best framers in the game since he's come up. I mean, just period, not just since he's come up. Just if you look at the numbers, who's been the best framers in the game this year, he's in the top like three, four or five uh, in terms of getting strikes on borderline pitches. And so he's hit. He's got, he's been great at throwing out runners, and I mean that makes a huge difference throwing guys out. Framing makes a huge difference. So overall, Fangraphs assigns a wins above replacement value of one point seven in just thirty games. I mean, a two war season is like an average major league player in a full season. And Bailey's played thirty games, and he's just about at that mark of two at one point seven. And so I just tweeted this out this morning, but among catchers since May 19th, which was the day of Patrick Bailey's Major League debut, Bailey is first with that 1.7 Fangraphs wins above replacement. And the next closest is the Dodgers star catcher Will Smith at 1.1. So it's not even close. Bailey is a full 0.6 wins above replacement ahead of the next closest player here since his debut. And then you've got three guys at 0.9, but Bailey just kind of lapping the field. And it's crazy that it's gone to almost no fanfare. Like, And then I mentioned, too, that among all players, not just catchers, that 1.7 wins above replacement since the day he debuted, which, you know, so since, since he's been in the league, he has the eighth most wins above replacement among non-pitchers, like hitters basically and so we've seen some rookies around the league like ellie de la cruz specifically i don't want to take anything away from ellie de la cruz but it's like when you see the mlb homepage or even the twitter accounts or whatever just constantly hyping ellie de la cruz and just never it's like probably most people in the national media are just dimly aware even of Patrick Bailey's existence, whereas Ellie De La Cruz is like front and center on these people's minds. Ellie De La Cruz has been worse offensively than Bailey. He's got a 133 weighted runs created plus. Bailey is at 139. The expected weighted on base average, that's a mouthful, but basically kind of are you deserving of your offensive outcomes for Bailey is even better than his actual results, a 375 weighted on base average, which is really good and really high, but the expected weighted on base average is even higher at 382 for Ellie De La Cruz. His weighted on base average is 379. So it's actually a little bit higher than Bailey's, but he plays in such a hitter friendly environment. That's why the weighted runs created plus is better for Bailey. But the expected numbers for Ellie De La Cruz, just a 301 weighted on base average versus again, 382 for Patrick Bailey, not even close. And then De La Cruz has played in 19 games, so fewer than Bailey, has put up 0.7 wins above replacement, but Bailey's played in only 11 more games than Ellie De La Cruz and has put up a whole extra win above replacement. And so Bailey has simply been the better hitter, which is 
you know, incredible because De La Cruz is getting so much hype for his hitting mostly. And then because Bailey's been a great defensive catcher, that's going to boost the overall kind of defensive credit that he gets too. So he's just been the much better player simply. And also the sustainability. I mean, you look at the fact that the expected numbers for Bailey actually align with the actual numbers. Whereas with De La Cruz, the expected numbers are much, much lower. And I think that comes, I've seen a lot of his highlights because they're everywhere. And he's kind of had some wall scraper home runs that probably are outs if you're not playing at the Great American Ballpark, aka the Great American Small Park in Cincinnati. So anyway, I don't want to take anything away from De La Cruz, but a little recognition for Patrick Bailey would be nice is all I'm saying. So anyway, coming up in just a minute, we're going to say we're going to explain why this isn't a bullpen game. People are talking about, oh, bullpen game, bullpen game, bullpen game. This is not a bullpen game. And also, do the Giants have some Kevin Gosman regret? Probably. We'll get into it in just a minute. But before we do. All right, as promised, was this a bullpen game? Do the Giants have Kevin Gosman regret? Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow, we'll be doing this again, but with Logan Webb on the mound. The Giants with a good shot of winning another game here, maybe making it 11 straight on the road. And yeah, so that would... I mean, I, I don't know the last time they've done that. I don't know if they also did that in 1952, but... That's another thing. Like, where's the national attention for what the Giants are doing? Not just Patrick Bailey, from, but from a team perspective, they're getting no attention despite all this, all these kind of records and accolades and the way they've played best record in the majors for a couple months straight and getting no respect. Giants play the Blue Jays tonight at 4.07 Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Giants. So I just wanted to clear this up. Like, we call these bullpen games. I talked about this some yesterday, but this is, how is this a bullpen game? It It's only a bullpen game in the sense that it was started by a pitcher who only went one inning and then it was followed up by a pitcher who went five but just simply imagine that Alex Wood had started the game and went five and then Ryan Walker pitched then it's fine then it's a normal look I get it it's it's non-traditional but I wouldn't call it a bullpen game like you would never think to call a game in which Alex Wood started went five and then Ryan Walker pitched an inning, and then Tyler Rogers pitched. However, he pitched multiple in multiple innings, but he he came in when there was two outs in an inning, and then he came out when there was two outs in the next inning. So I, the math on that is escaping me while talking and podcasting here. But Tyler Rogers did what he did, and then Camilo Duvall pitched an inning and a third. Uh, you wouldn't. That would just be a normal game. And so when we talk about, oh, is this sustainable, blah, 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 you would never question the sustainability of a game that simply flip-flopped when Wood and Ryan Walker pitched. And so to me, that doesn't make any sense. It's not a bullpen game. It's simply that they used an opener ahead of a quote-unquote starter in Alex Wood, and it totally worked. I mean, it took Ryan Walker pitching out of a first and third no-out situation But the idea, and I touched on this yesterday, 
was is that I mean the Blue Jays have a heavy heavy right-handed lineup and a lot of their most dangerous players are like you know Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You've also got George Springer leading off games and so the idea was that uh, we want a right-handed pitcher in there in that first inning when you're guaranteed to face the top of the lineup to take down those that part of the lineup and it's not a guarantee you're not going to allow any runs like if, it, if walker had allowed some runs that doesn't mean they should have started wood it just maybe wood would have been even worse you know that it's just playing the percentages and it allows you to bring in wood for a pocket of the lineup that you feel like he can do well against and it has started out with a lefty dalton varsho and he he got on a roll from there. And then when the top of the lineup does flip over, it's only the first time they've seen him. And so it's not, you know, you're you're also limiting his exposure to the top of the lineup some. And so that's kind of the idea behind the opener. And it's hard to argue with the results last night. Giants struck out 17, walked zero, and didn't give up any runs. And so anyway, but, you know, a, a true bullpen game is like you've, you're using eight or nine relievers to cover a game. But this was just basically a start by Alex Wood. And instead of Walker pitching after him, Walker pitched before him. So, yeah. Uh, and then turning the page about just Kevin Gosman, you know, this might be the last time we really – He's front and center on our minds this season because we just saw him. I certainly have Kevin Gosman regret watching a game like last night. And he, the thing that that stings a little bit or a lot even is that he was so clear that he wanted to be back. He wanted to play for the Giants and uh, they didn't make him an offer, he says. And of course, I believe him. Uh, he didn't certainly come across as a dishonest type of guy. And then he ends up getting what now looks like a pretty reasonable five-year, $110 million deal from the Blue Jays. And this is only year two, so we'll see how it goes the rest of this year and then three more years. It could be that he breaks down and then the last three years end up looking bad. We don't know yet. And the 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 other side of the coin is Carlos Rodon. Like, and it's just you're kind of taking a big gamble, I guess. And Carlos Rodon has yet to throw a pitch for the Yankees. Six-year, $162 million deal. He's dealing with a chronic back issue. He got diagnosed with a chronic back issue. And so who knows what, what's going to happen with Rodon. But, you know, big commitment financially, and he hasn't thrown a pitch. And so it's a risk. And I think that that's part of what you're, why you saw the Giants not make an offer. He also really wasn't. Like it kind of seemed like he got figured out in the second half of 2021. I know he went through some personal stuff, but at the same time, he he was he struggled in the second half of 2021 and in his playoff appearances in the NLDS. And so I think there was some concern that just like fastball splitter, fastball splitter wasn't something you necessarily are like gonna make a huge financial commitment in, but he's made it work and uh, ben continued to be really, really good and one of the best pitchers in the game. But I also have a small problem with, I mean, the idea that Gosman was highly motivated to kind of stick it to his old team that didn't make him an offer. I get that. And as a competitor, you'll do whatever it takes to get in a, the mindset that can help you dominate a game. And, and that should be what he's doing. But at the same time, like the Giants are the team that helped him 
get $110 million. Like the Giants originally signed him for what was it? $8 million one year? Was it $10 million one year? It was one year, $8 or $10 million. And that was his original deal. And they helped him become a $110 million pitcher. And really, he probably deserved a bigger contract than that, even when we look at what Carlos Rodon was able to get, $162 million over six years. So on the one hand, yeah, you want to stick it to the Giants. But on the other hand, you kind of owe the Giants for helping you get to where you are. But I have no problem with him wanting to – he can do whatever he wants to be at his best. And he was at his best last night, but the Giants – got the win. It's not like they roughed up Gosman. They just pitched extremely well and scrapped across a few runs and scratched across a few runs and won their 10th straight on the road. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. Every day is tomorrow on the show, breaking down game two, Logan Webb against TBD. Uh, Giants going for 11 straight road wins, another series win against a playoff and even World Series contender, potentially. So we'll be breaking it down. Giants play the Blue Jays tonight at 4.07 Pacific, and you can catch every pitch of the Giants hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Giants. Once again, my name is Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot, so thanks in advance, and thank you to everyone who's done so already. I can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.